I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kind of Cute, and if you're new here, welcome. My name is Bailey Evan, I'm your host, and on Kind of Cute, we discuss articles from the cut and my general pop culture musings. We had a couple good architectural digest tours come out recently. We had Gwyneth Paltrow and Devin Booker. I just wrote down some little buzzwords that I thought of as I was watching Gwyneth's tour. Uh, This is what I have. Pretentious. So many fireplaces. Bland. I want some weird-ass shit going on. Plate wall. I'm into. My jaw dropped at the spa room. Oh, I'm still picking it up off the floor. (laughs) And then my biggest thing is that I was really pissed she was gatekeeping certain rooms. Like, you don't get to see her bedroom. Like, there were so many areas. Like, she only showed, like, three rooms. And you can tell she's got this big-ass house in Montecito. So why aren't we getting it all? That is, like, my biggest pet peeve on our architectural digest tours and obviously it's so beautiful like it's very I mean it's stunning like would I want to go over there and have some goop food and wine of course but like I just feel like when you have so much money and so much things so many things you can do to play it kind of safe is just a little boring to me it just it's like why you don't have to you know but the fact that she had a full-on spa that I, I could not get over. Like, it looked like the O Spa, which is my favorite spot to go to here in Florida. And, I mean, maybe the novelty would wear off if I got to go to that every day. But I just don't think it, I would. It just is immaculate. So then Devin Booker, he uh, is a basketball player. He's currently dating Kendall Jenner. I... I liked his a lot. I was very impressed with it. You know, I saw his house as more of an investment because it's in Arizona, which is where his basketball team is. And because basketball players can get traded at any time and have to move somewhere else, I kind of saw this as somewhere that he was just using as a for now home, but still put a lot of thought into it. I love that he had Sage. He seemed very into keeping like a very clean space he had a James Terrell which I thought was cute because Kendall Jenner also has a James Terrell in her house he seemed really knowledgeable about design I always appreciate that Gwyneth was too like they knew the aspects of their house they knew who had done the designs but I just thought his was kind of cozy and unexpected and I I liked that he had a love for wine and was very into like trying wines with his friends. It was giving sophisticated, which I just, I don't know. I didn't have much of a concept of what Devin Booker is like. I just kind of see him in paparazzi shots with Kendall, but he seems really sweet and cute and I, I'm, I'm into him, you know, and meanwhile, as I was watching these, like the same day I paid off this huge ass loan um, that I was paying a huge amount of interest on just to uh, pay back. Uh, money I took out from my contractors who scammed me over and didn't do any work at my house. So you got to love to see that. Just these like multi-million dollars houses and I've been drowning in lo- like, no, I'm not even talking about my mortgage. This was like literally a loan I took out to pay for necessary repairs at my ancient house. So, you know, must be nice. <laughs> um, I'm obviously like, I know I, this is like a weird day for me to be publishing this, but it's because I kind of wanted to bridge the gap because I was only going to do one episode between last week and this week. Uh, just an FYI, so you guys don't think I like dropped off the face of the planet. I'm sorry if I'm kind of doing like a three podcasts a month schedule lately. I swear if the day ever comes when I can actually like make a penny off of this podcast, I will be more consistent. I promise. Um, but right now life has just been like getting in the way of my favorite hobby. I went horseback riding finally the other weekend and it was so nice. It was on the beach. I've been wanting to go horseback riding on the beach 
for so long, for so many years. And the fact that it finally came to fruition, it just was such a moment. I, I'm just really a horse girl at heart. I took horseback riding lessons when I was a wee little one living in England. I took them again in college. I still suck because it's like I never can get past basically like the trotting stage. (laughs) All I want to do is be able to like gallop bareback on a horse. One day that day will come for me. I'm convinced. Uh, But until then, this was nice to just like trot on a beach with a with a nice little horse. The weather was nice. It wasn't too hot. It was kind of cold, actually, a little overcast, kind of moody. I just I loved it. Um, And that same weekend, Kenzie and me submitted a, a video to apply to the amazing race, which if they ever call back, I'd get any farther. I wouldn't be able to update you guys. But I feel like I can tell you that I applied um, and you know, I'm just trying to put it out there in the universe, manifest it a little bit because I could really use a windfall, obviously. <laughs> Can see you agree. Um, and I've just like always like if there's ever a reality show I would want to be on, like it is the amazing race, like getting to travel the world and potentially win a million dollars. Who cares if they take out all the tax? Like you've got to travel the world and I would get to do it with my sister. Like what more could I ask for? I know I'm a little late on talking about this because I skipped last week, but we have to address that Riri, Queen Rihanna herself, is pregnant with Travis Scott. She did this very flashy... What? Oh, fuck. I'm sorry because I was about to talk about Kylie, guys. It is ASAP Rocky. This is why I have to have Kenzie here. I was getting a step ahead of myself. I'm sorry. It's because my my next thing on my notes is literally Kylie's baby with Travis Scott. Um, Yes, Riri has a child with ASAP Rocky. And um, I think people were just collectively like so shook by this announcement. And I, I know it's not, you know, it's a little gauche to speculate about women's pregnancies and it's obviously none of our business and it's their bot like blah 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 but I had just seen the funniest predictions about Riri's pregnancy like people on TikTok were looking at pictures of her hugging fans and they could just tell by the way she was kind of had her butt out in the picture which is how I always hug because I don't like to get too close to people they could just tell from that alone that she must be pregnant because they're like no Rihanna gives full body hugs So the way she's pointing her feet, the way she's so far away, like they picked up on it just from that. And then there was another like blind item that she was at a dinner and didn't have a drink. And people were just like, no, no, no. Rihanna always has a drink. Like she has to be pregnant. So very happy for them. Um, And then again, Kylie had her baby with Travis Scott. It was born on 2-2-22, which people are like, okay somehow they made that happen they pulled some strings like i would not be surprised if she asked to be induced on that day if it was medically okay for her to do so because it's just so wild to me because uh stormy was born on february 1st and now this baby was born on 2 and it's a boy its name is wolf um yeah i thought she actually go something a little bit more thematically similar to stormy but I like wolf. I think they're definitely going to call it wolfy, which I think is cute. But it, yeah, it's funny because I feel like you only hear kind of Wolfgang as like a wolf name, not just like a singular wolf. But she posted on her Instagram that it's Wolf Webster. So, you know, good for her. Speaking of good for people, Kristen Dunst finally got an Oscar nomination. And I just feel like very proud of her. She's such an iconic actor just like throughout the years. And I feel like it's just about damn time, honestly. And I love that she got nominated alongside her husband, Jesse Plemons. They're in the movie called The Power of the Dog. And I know everyone's like, 
shitting on the Oscars like I shit on the Oscars. I But I still think, like, for Kirsten, that is something that has got to feel good, you know, and to be able to do it alongside your spouse. I'm, I'm just happy for her. And uh, I think she might win. She's nominated for Supporting Actress, but um, – I think the Dom is the Dom is exciting. So I know I was just already bitching about how maybe I do for a month if I ever made a dime. And I don't say that because like I'm trying to be like ungrateful. Like I, I love doing this, guys. But sometimes I'm just like I can't prioritize it over my job where I make actual money. You know, that's like where the problem comes in. So if you want to help me out, I would love if you gave me a rating on Spotify. It takes one second. I only have like a 4.6 right now. So if you want to help me get that up. I would be very grateful. And as usual, you can always rate and review on Apple Podcasts, subscribe wherever you listen, and most of all, just tell a friend or share about it in your Instagram story. It makes really a huge difference for me, and it makes my day, it makes my week, it makes my month when you guys do that. And I will admit, it does make me sad when I get sad reviews. So if you want to not make my day, you can do that. Uh, And, you know, I haven't talked in a while about here or maybe even ever, about kind of how I envision this podcast, like what the experience is. But whenever I record, I always kind of think about it as like me being in college and being on my laptop procrastinating while I should be studying for a test and instead going on Perez Hilton and constantly updating it and like leaning over and telling my friend when I found something interesting or like when I would get so excited to go to the airport and buy a magazine and look through it and like tell the person sitting next to me, not strangers, I, I don't talk to strangers, Um, but if I had a friend next to me, like tell them about what I was reading about or text my sister and I just kind of feel like that's how I want this podcast to feel like, like that you're sitting next to each other, you're reading and and versus like on a phone you know it's like now everything's on a phone you send stuff in the dms you send it on tiktok i want this to feel more like how i remember imbibing pop culture and i know it was very toxic in that time and i try to keep the toxicity on this podcast low but i just hope that that's the vibe you get when you listen to this with me and i hope if that is how you feel you could let me know i did also have a review that someone said it feels like a wine night with friends so i'm i would thank you by name i'm so sorry i don't i don't know your name because it was just random letters but thank you so much for leaving a nice review on apple i always shout out you guys like if you dm me if you leave a review i would love to shout you out on here it's literally like the least i can do um, I wanted to talk actually about a DM I got from a sweet girl named Emily. She found me through my episode with Shannon, Fluently Ford, and she was talking about the Bama Rush Talk episode that I did. And she was actually a DG at UF, which I spoke about them and their, um, <laughs> their I'm on a boat. So please go back and listen to that episode because that video is just unreal and uh, she said that the girl who sings the auto-tune part was allegedly on American Idol and is currently a country singer, which just had me so shook. I'm like, I have to share that on the podcast because I also view this as kind of like almost like a digital scavenger hunt. Like you find something from a while ago and somehow it crops up and becomes relevant again. So I'm so like, because that girl who's the auto-tune voice on that, that video, it's not good. It is not like, right, Kenzie? It it sounds like it needs it needs the auto tune. Um, <laughs> so, okay, let's see. 
let's oh i'm sorry we have one like very very sad thing to talk about before we get into our articles but i wanted to let you guys know because we talked about obviously the awful shooting of helena hutchins that happened on the set of rust and she was shot by alec baldwin and there was finally a lawsuit filed in that case so i read the complaint that was filed and i just wanted to share with you guys some of the things that stood out to me from it it was filed in the state of arizona where the i'm sorry new mexico where the movie was filmed and it kind of obviously these are just allegations but it definitely paints a story of how they are saying the situation occurred and i'm sure before they um drafted this complaint they spoke to many people who were witnesses and were there on set and any sort of police reports that were done so i'm thinking this is probably a very accurate uh, description of what went down so it says that um during the scene baldwin wasn't even supposed to be holding the revolver in the scene and he was sitting in a church pew approximately four feet away from multiple members of the crew. He reached across his body and used his right hand to grab the revolver holstered on his left side, drew the revolver with a cross draw movement across his body and aimed it directly at Miss Hutchins while drawing back the hammer on the revolver. He released the revolver's hammer and bam, defendant Baldwin fired the revolver. The live bullet was discharged and struck her in the side of her chest. It ricocheted through her body, causing grievous injury, and ex- exited Miss Hutchinson's body with sufficient force to strike director Joel Souza in the shoulder and pass almost entirely through his body. Um, and as we all know, she unfortunately and sadly died from her wound from the gunshot. They allege a lot of things that the press had spoken about, but I had never felt were actually confirmed. So they allege that there was massive cost cutting on set, that the armor and the prop master were very, she was, it was one person, that she was very inexperienced and it was improper for her to be doing both roles. She'd only worked on one other movie. There was no reason that any live rounds should have been on the set at all. And basic safety measures weren't followed. They bring up that multiple complaints have been made and that there were actually two gun mishaps and issues before this incident happened. One thing I thought was interesting, and I sort of disagree with their uh, representation of this text message, it says... On October 16th, 2021, Mr. Looper, who's a local camera operator, told Defendant Walters, a representative for the producers, that there had been three unsafe weapon discharges and the set was super unsafe. Defendant Walters responded with callous sarcasm, saying the accidental discharges were awesome and sound good. But if you read the actual text message, which they screenshot, it says from looper we've now had three accidental discharges this is super unsafe and rap should be like 30 to 45 i think and then the producer responds and says accidental discharge on the firearms question mark awesome sounds good so to me the awesome sounds good part is clearly him responding to the rap being in 30 to 45 minutes and he it's almost like he doesn't know that the accident discharge on the firearms happen and that's why there's a question mark after it so i don't know if you're following that it's kind of hard for me to say it like it's easier if you're just reading it but to me that was a misrepresentation of what the text messages actually intend to say but that's the problem with text messages you know they can be really unclear um and then oh it 
they sued uh, pretty much every single producer, the production companies, Alec Baldwin, because he was a producer, obviously, and he shot the gun. This, again, is a civil case. It's seeking money damages, um, compensatory, punitive. And the actual claims that are brought are for negligent, intentional, willful or reckless misconduct resulting in wrongful death. So this is sort of like your classic wrongful death claim. This is kind of usually how they're constructed. And then account for loss of consortium, which means like the loss of love and companionship that the husband and child would have with her. Um so obviously this is very in the early stages. I, again, I think most parties will try to settle out very quickly, but they also named does one through 100, which means unidentified parties. So through the discovery process, they're basically trying to keep the door open. If they discover any other parties, they would be able to amend the complaint, add those parties in and sue them as well. So again, just wanted to update you guys on that since we did talk about it when it happened, but I promise the rest of this episode, much more upbeat. Again, as always, my heart goes out to Helena Hudgens and her family, and I will keep you guys updated on that. All right. Our first article is from GQ, The Metamorphosis of Robert Pattinson. This is by Daniel Riley. Now, the last GQ article we did about Rob Pats, I'm going to call him R. Pats, um, was about him making a diabolic pasta sandwich in the microwave. It's on episode 40, FYI, if you want to go back and listen to that episode. And I have to say before we begin this that you must keep in mind that Rob is an unreliable narrator in interviews. He constantly lies. You can also see episode seven of this podcast where we talked about him lying to Matt Lauer about seeing a clown die the first time he went to a circus. So take everything that he says in a press interview with a grain of salt because I still refuse to believe that he was earnestly making a pasta sandwich in the microwave, but luckily this article gets into that and we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, (laughs) A lot of this, I'm just going to read some of his quotes because some of the things he says in this are as usual in RPAT style, like completely bonkers. (laughs) So Daniel writes, he is unlike some actors taller than people suppose. And Rob says, a lot of Batman fans are like, he's tiny, he's tiny. I'm not fucking tiny i'm like a large person about half the time i'm trying to get skinnier (laughs) which like no because i feel like he is pretty thin but he is tall you know so he probably has a fair amount of weight on him he says i'm constantly doing risk assessments which drives everybody crazy trying to predict every single element that could possibly happen and then at the end of it just being like ah fuck it i'll just pay a lighthouse keeper who fucks a mermaid i think this is the right move like this is his tone throughout the article it's just sort of delirious sort of fucking around a lot of levity so (laughs) he talks about how when they were shooting batman he it was shooting on the outskirts of London and it, he felt really sort of it felt like an insular experience during it. And they were always shooting at night. It was really dark. He felt alone. And he says he wasn't allowed out of the studio with his Batman suit on. So he barely knew what was going on outside because I guess once he had his suit on, it must have been so hard to get on him that they kind of kept it on him the whole time. So they built him a little tent off the side of the set where he could go and decompress and chill. And apparently he just would, (laughs) as Daniel writes, pass the time getting weird in the bat suit. 
I'd be in the tent just making ambient electronic music in the suit, looking over the cowl. There's something about the construction of the cowl that makes it very difficult to read books. So you have to kind of almost lean forward to see out of the cowl. And so the author's like, what, what is a cowl? And he's like, oh, the mask thing, the bat mask, the cowl. <laughs> I kept calling it a mask, but I learned, no, no, it's the cowl. And then throughout the interview, he's trying to find sort of covert places to be hidden from fans, paparazzi, just people bothering him in general. And so Daniel asks him if that's the norm. And he says, oh, 100%. Actually, like if I see a bar that's empty and it has no vibe at all, I'm like, ooh. And I just had to include that because obviously I related to that. If I see like an empty bar that I can just roll up, sit there. Mm, give me that. And he says, when anybody asks me what are your hobbies, I'm like fucking fretting, worrying about the future. And I just, again, I relate to him so much in that. It's such earth sign energy. Rob is a Taurus. Kenzie sitting next to me is a Taurus. I mean, it's the most relatable thing, honestly. Leave me alone. <laughs> So then we get to the part of the interview that I've just been waiting for. So it says Pattinson tells me that sometimes he'll just make something up in an interview in order to say anything at all. And that it has at times come back to bite him. For instance, comments he made years ago about not washing his hair that have followed him to this day. It gets a little slippery when someone tells you they sometimes deliberately lie, but it feels like it adds up with several of the other stories Pattinson shares with me. There are some things that are honest, there are some things that are constructed, and in between, there are just a bunch of roles Pattinson's playing besides a movie star and celebrity among them. So then it lists out all of these things that he allegedly maybe did. So one of them's being a porn peddler, where he would take magazines from a local, he would steal them from a newsstand. And again, this is like a grain of salt, guys. Remember, take the magazines from the local newsstand and sell them to his classmates and make a profit. He was expelled from his first prep school. And then he was apparently a sham drug dealer that during secondary school, he had a girlfriend who was a few years above him and he wanted to hang out with the cool kids. So <laughs> they decided that he was going to pretend to import drugs, but he didn't even know what drugs looked like. So... I had this idea I'd get floppy disks, open up the floppy disk, pour this kind of powder stuff inside, and then spray it with like some kind of cleaning product so it smelled chemically and seal all of it in. I bought like 40 floppy disks and then I'd show it to kids who were probably 15 or 16 and I'd be like, yeah, I'm importing drugs in floppy disks. He says it like a real scumbag and everyone believed me and I kind of got this reputation that this kid is crazy. He's a drug dealer. Like, want to try some? Some sawdust with Febreze in it? <laughs> I mean, some of this stuff is so absurd that I'm like, your imagination is just bonkers. Like, I love it if you're just straight up making this up. Says he was a rap pirate. Um, He would take lyrics, transpose their voices on them, and then send their raps to a DJ to try to get on the show. Uh, he was in skateboard imposter. He says he couldn't skateboard, um, but he practiced by himself. So he would just sit there and drag the skateboard around, rolling it back and forth. Um, and then he would <laughs> he would hit the skateboard and like put little gashes in it so it would look like he had been riding in it on it. Oh, God. 
Um, it says designer of chairs. Um, he makes little chairs out of clay, takes pictures of them, and then sends them to a designer to help them get built. Apparently, he's consumed by chairs. He thinks about them incessantly. Um, and when it came time to design a logo for his production company, he actually has a like very intense deal with uh, Warner Brothers for his production company. He just kept sending people pictures of chairs. Uh, then apparently, he's also into photography. And lastly, handheld pasta hustler, ongoing for now. So this is the moment we've all been waiting for. It says, close readers of GQ may remember that two years ago, Arpats tried to demonstrate his concept for a portable pasta snack via Zoom interview to devastating results. The internet received the effort as a stunt, or at least a knowing performance of ineptitude. But I was fully actually trying to make that pasta, he says. Like, I was literally in talks with frozen food factories and hoped that that article would be the proof of concept. My manager was like, is this really what you want to do? You want your face on handheld pasta? You know you've got to go to Walmart and really set it, sell it for potentially very little return. He laughs as though it were someone else's idea. And there was a part of me that was like, is there a world where this works? Guys, I mean, again, tell me what you take with a grain of salt and what you believe out of that, because I still just don't buy the Basta. I think he was just bored. It was COVID. He was cooped up and like he was just on the verge and he was just fucking around. All right, let's get into our first cut article of the day. This is The Women Make Euphoria, the cast on playing teens, forever on the brink of disaster by Evan Ross Katz. Evan Ross Katz is something of like an internet phenomenon, like he is so loved on Instagram. I follow him on Instagram um, and he is a contributor to the cut now. And I think this is the first uh, article of his that I've covered on here. But iconic lover for him that he got to do this interview with the Euphoria girlies. So I talked about this on TikTok. Um, but obviously, I think I mentioned on here how there's been a lot of rumors that Barbie Ferreira and Sam Levinson got into it on set and do that. A lot of her storyline was cut, but I still I feel like this sort of confirms it for me. But at the same time, in this article, Zendaya makes it very clear that the initial script for season two was like completely scrapped because basically of the pandemic happening and the pause on filming they kind of just like reworked the whole script and I don't know if she was saying that to kind of temper the rumors about all of these alleged script changes due to riffs on set but I just thought the way that Evan wrote this part and her answer were telling he says that her storyline this season, Barbie Ferreira's, has felt the most ancillary. There are rumors that Ferreira and Levinson argued on set over her roles being sidelined. Ferreira did not join the rest of the cast at the show's premiere, which added fuel to the gossip. For her part, Ferreira says Kat's journey this season is a little more internal and a little mysterious to the audience. She's secretly going through a lot of existential crises. She loses her marbles a little bit, just like everyone else this season. The theme is everyone's gone a little crazy. So I just felt like that was a fascinating uh, insight into kind of how she's viewing her plotline this season. Because the thing is, I don't even see her journey as internal. She just simply does not have a lot of screen time unless she's sort of just playing a supporting character to the other friends. And then I don't I don't want to spoil it for you guys, but 
kind of her storyline in this last episode is just absurd and frankly kind of out of character for Kat's character. Um, I think the overarching theme of kind of falling out of love with someone and not knowing how to handle it is something relatable and I get that. But I just think the treatment of her character, as I always say when I'm talking about Sam Levinson, is sus. (sighs) And then we also have more confirmation from Sydney Sweeney, who plays Cassie, that nude scenes were taken out. And she says, coming into the second season, she felt more confident saying, I don't know if Cassie would make this decision. She asked for certain topless moments to be taken out and for emotional moments to be fleshed out. And Levinson obliged. Take a fight between Cassie and Nate in episode four, which was originally meant to end with Nate chiding her for sleeping with her best friend's boyfriend. Jacob and I did the scene as it was written, and we were like, there's so much more here that we could do that's pent up. Let us build it. And the result was a five-page scene Levinson wrote on the spot in which Cassie fully loses it when she becomes convinced Nate is going to leave her for Maddie. I let any judgment on myself go, says Sweeney. I'm very proud of the meltdown Cassie had this season. And I have to say, Sydney has just acted the shit out of this season. I mean, so has Zendaya. So has Alexa Demi, who plays Maddie. I mean, every single one of them has literally killed it. I I have been so blown away by their acting this season as much as I have issues with some of Sam Levinson's bullshit and the plot in general, they have acted the shit out of it. Um, I also like there was a little video that accompanied this article and hunters asked her ideal music festival lineup. And she says Dominic Fike as one of the people, which is so adorable because they are like seeing each other right now and he plays Elliot in in um this season and he's also a singer he's very good if you haven't heard his music I'm sure you will be familiar with some of them when you give them a little listen and since we were talking about the euphoria girlies I wanted to bring up this article that was also in GQ about Angus Cloud who plays Fezco in euphoria I feel like he's become such a fan favorite and I've never mentioned on here But Angus Cloud was literally cast off the street. He was walking in New York. A casting agent saw him and thought he looked the part. And that's literally how he's on this show. Can you imagine? He had never acted before. Now he's super getting into acting. Uh, He has things he's filming right now. He has all these parts lined up. I also have to take this moment because everyone's loving Fexy this season, uh, Fez and Lexi, who's played by Maude Apatow. And two people on TikTok said I looked like her in one of my TikToks. And I know it was just the angle I was filming at and how my makeup was done because obviously I don't look like her. But I mean, I don't know. It gave me a little hope that maybe I could get a little Fezco minus the drug dealing in real life. Um... (laughs) And I just love because he very much speaks in a way that does not scream media training to me. And it's very much in his voice. So they say, how hyped were you to finally get a Fez episode? And it's the season premiere at that. I was super juiced up. Reading that script, I was fired up for sure. And he says, when you didn't get one in season one, did Sam tell you, don't worry, I got you? And he says, no, I was supposed to die in season one, bro. What? No cap. (laughs) When? I don't know. But apparently because they cast me off the street, I guess the character of Fezco was never meant to stick around. I don't even know how. I never saw that script. No one ever told me. It was one day when we were filming the pilot that I think Jacob told me. He was like, oh, yeah, you didn't know? Your character gets... And yeah, it never ended up happening. I think that they liked what I did. And so they decided to keep me alive and let me rock. I don't know how I was going out, but hopefully I would have gone out like a G. 
Um, another fact that I don't think I had fully realized or processed is that him and Zendaya, Angus Cloud and Zendaya, went to the same school. Like, they literally went to, like, real-life euphoria. Um, and he says, it was such a trip, the fact that they find me in New York to bring me back to Cali to work on a show with someone that went to the same high school as me blows my mind. It's like, what the hell? Um, and that's just like, you know, the universe works in mysterious ways. And he says, I want to be in something like Flame On, imitating Fantastic Four superhero, The Human Torch. I want to do some Wingardium Leviosa, imitates a Harry Potter wand flicking. I'm ready for it all, man. There's like infinite universes that you can be a part of. I mean, if that's just like not the vibe you need right now, then what are you, what are you even doing? Because that is the vibe I need right now. Okay, next up, Julia Fox is her own muse. Thank you very much. The fast forward month in the life of the LES girl turned TMZ A-lister by Hunter Harris. Now, this starts out with a note that says a week after our interview, Julia Fox posted a statement to her Instagram. She and Ye had parted ways. The announcement fell on Valentine's Day amid Ye's public pleas to get together with Kim Kardashian West. Fox waved away the suggestion that she was heartbroken. Why not see me for what I am, which is a number one hustler, she wrote. Here she tells us about her so-called hustle. So first off, I have to go to the actual Instagram post by Julia. Okay, so she says, y'all would love if I was so upset. The media would love to paint a picture of me as a sad, lonely woman crying on a plane by myself, but it's not true. And that's when she says, why not see me for what I am, which is a number one hustler. I came up, y'all, LOL. And not only that, but Kanye and I are on good terms. I have love for him, but I wasn't in love with the man. Jesus Christ, what do you guys think I am? 12 years old? And for the record, the only time I cried in 2022 was on February 6th on my dead BFF B-Day. Anyway, if you want the full tea, you're going to have to buy the book when it comes out. Smiley face emoji. I mean, <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm not laughing at her crying about her dead best friend that's fucking awful but just the tone of the rest of this the smiley face her book coming out the marketing genius that all of this is i mean again we we all knew this was the fakest of fake pr relationships obviously she wouldn't be crying about breaking up with kanye like she might have been crying about not making that bag anymore like not getting birkins but she's not going to be fucking crying about breaking up with kanye you know but people were like News reports were saying she was crying on the streets. So then she does this insane like photo shoot with her stylist, her friends, and an interview with uh, The Cut. And she must like talking to them because she did another interview with them literally at the beginning of all this that we discussed on here. (sighs) Okay, so I have to set the scene for you. It says, Julia Fox is telling me about the past four weeks of her life. Her slender index finger adorned with French tipped acrylics and delicate tattoos points out everything she's wearing. Hoodie, Yeezy Gap. T-shirt under Yeeth, Yeezy Gap. Pants, Yeezy Gap. Or they're actually Tom Ford. (laughs) Like just casually mixing up Tom Ford with Yeezy Gap. Um, The reporter says that she reflects matter-of-factly on it all at lunch that she's a little distracted but polite she does not pay any attention to her phone which seems to illuminate with new notifications every few minutes um she seemed relaxed in the middle of this pop culture hurricane they write 
And she says, I've never been operating at the level that Ye is. Everything's much more amplified and everything feels much more serious just because of how many people are watching. I never wanted to be super mega famous. It's a life ender for some celebrities. They become reclusive and paranoid and hide. I refuse to not live authentically. I found this quote so fascinating because to me, I felt like the only goal of this was to become super mega famous and be on everyone's lips and have her name out there. But now I'm kind of reevaluating. I'm like, well, either she's lying here or maybe she just really wanted to get more roles in movies and not from a position of wanting to be famous, but wanting to do indie films. But then she went on call her dad. Like, guys, it just doesn't make sense to me. I I have trouble taking what she's saying at face value and not as a big part or a small part of a bigger plan and this is my favorite quote she says when our paparazzi paparazzi photos were leaked there was just such an interest i was kind of like okay i'll tell you i wasn't being like hush hush celebrity celebrities are not that fucking important you can tell us about your stupid fucking date we're in a pandemic give people something to talk about do your fucking service do your job (laughs) and that take on celebrity culture is actually really refreshing. Like, I'm so supportive of celebrities wanting their privacy, and I think that should be respected. And especially, like, when it comes to kids, and I I just think everyone deserves privacy. And it, it, I've always struggled with being someone who's so obsessed with pop culture and trying to speak about it in a way that feels kind of morally right and respectful to me, but also in a way that is entertaining. Uh, so I love that she's just like, go out there, put your fucking date on like a show. And it kind of reminded me of the way like Rihanna did her pregnancy announcement. I think I really appreciate it because it was so just like, yeah, look at me. I'm fabulous. I'm pregnant. I'm letting it hang out. I look gorgeous. Like I just loved everything about it. And, um, she kind of talks about how for a while the Hollywood machine was kind of wanting her to dress a certain way, dress a little bit more Stepford wife-ish, and that wasn't really her vibe. I mean, she she's a New York girly, you know, like I doubt it was her vibe to be wearing like a little Kate Spade bag or some shit. And she says, okay, I guess I just have to be more Hollywood and more bland, but fuck that narrative. If I want to pop out and wear crazy shit, which is what I want to wear... I mean, she says, you could see everything. I would walk out in a body stocking. That was the type of shit I was on. The low-rise exposed long meow pants she wore on a date with Ye were not Kanye pants, she says. I've always had those pants. So, again, I think this fashion sense, yeah, of course, I think there was definitely a press move in wearing Balenciaga, Balenciaga constantly when she was with Kanye. That was clearly a nod to Kim Kardashian. And now the lookalike that he's with is also dressing in like head-to-toe Balenciaga. That was all purposeful. But again, I believe that she's a little edgy, you know, that she, or a lot edgy. We talked about how she was a freaking dominatrix in high school. And then she says, ultimately, what I would like to do in my life is have a bunch of babies and write and create content. Then it doesn't matter what I look like because I can just be pregnant all the time. The kids in her fantasy, she clarifies later, are not necessarily Wes or anyone specifically. They're hers. I actually just asked my ex-husband if he would want to lend me his sperm to make a sibling for Valentino. He left me on red, which is sad. But I also, as you guys know, love that idea because I always kind of mess around with the idea of like, 
if I really decide I want kids one day, just like ordering some sperm from a sperm break and like, you know, doing it that way. Um, because I've actually seen people on TikTok because I actually kind of always thought you had to actually do the whole IVF process if you went about it that way. But guys, like apparently you can just order sperm from a sperm break and like, you know, self-insert it. Very uh, Petra Solano from... Jane the Virgin, if you will. I don't think you do it like with a turkey baster, but you're getting the vibe here. So I I love that for her. Like, welcome to 2022. Um, I think we've made it to our legit shift for the day, guys. Again, you know I have a love hate relationship with recommending things from Amazon, but I'm not gonna lie, I do order a lot of stuff from Amazon, and I love my makeup organizers. I have a few of them, and they're like acrylic, but my favorite ones are the ones that are on like a little Lazy Susan, and you can spin them around. Guys, if you want a good way to like put your skincare on, if you're a skincare whore like me, get one of these makeup organizers. As usual, it is linked in my show notes. Again, please, if you like this at all, please rate or review or tell a friend. Like, sometimes y'all know I give up a little hope. And I would just love to see some growth on this podcast. So if y'all can help me out, you're a real one. All right. I will, again, not see you necessarily this week, but I will see you next week. I hope you have an amazing one. Bye.